Welcome to Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. It's award season, but in between the Oscars and the Emmys, there's one award you might not have heard of, the Magnolia Book Award. These awards celebrate children's, middle grade, and young adult literature and are voted on by the children and teenagers of Mississippi. Voting lasts through the month of February. Join Charlie and Elizabeth as they talk about this year's nominations and discuss their favorites in each category. Pre-K through second grade, third through fifth grade, sixth through eighth grade, and ninth through twelfth grade. Stay tuned! Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories. Today, I'm, I'm Charlie. I'm a Special Collections Coordinator here at Mississippi Library Commission. And I will be talking about the 2024 Magnolia Book Award nominees with Elizabeth. I'm, I'm Elizabeth today. I'm a reference librarian here at the Mississippi Library Commission. All right. You're just Elizabeth today? Well, you said you were Charlie today. Oh, yeah, just today. Just today. That's my, that's my alias for the day. So with the Magnolia Book Awards, they divide it into four categories. They have the pre-K through second grade, third through fifth grade, sixth through eighth, and ninth through twelfth grade categories. There's a lot of books on the list, and to be honest, I haven't read all the books on the list. Have you? I have not read all of them, but I have read all but one of the picture books because... You know, I love me some picture books. Yeah. So I, I read all but one, the okay. one that you're going to talk about today. It's good. So, and I have picked what I think is the best one out of all of them, except for the one that you're talking about. Okay, I got you. I got you. So what we've done is we've went through and we picked out which books that we wanted to read the most, and those are the ones we are going to talk about um we've had time to read them we'll get to that in a minute um so would you like to start with the pre-k through second grade book you selected sure sure i would um my book that i liked the most although there were a lot of really good ones in the group i really really liked stella keeps the sun up it's by clotilde ewing and illustrated by Lynn Gaines. Um, and it's about a little girl, Stella, who has a little hippo stuffy. Um, and she and the hippo decide that using what the author calls kid logic, that they are going to keep the sun up all the time so that she doesn't have to go to bed. So it's like fear of missing out and she's just got it you know, tackled so that that doesn't have to happen. That makes sense, though. It does. So she does things like she offers son, the son some coffee, and she and the hippo try to, like, shove it further up in the sky. And it's just lots of kind of silly, totally realistic ways that they could keep the sun up yeah. and not have to go to bed. So it feeds into... The whole, you know, child life where you don't want to go to bed and the child logic, which I just love. But the author decided to write it. Um, there was a woman named Deneen Milner who wrote a piece called 
black kids don't want to read about Harriet Tubman all the time. And it was an opinion piece in the New York Times um, in like 2018 or 19. Mm-hmm. So Clotilde Ewing, it just really resonated with her. And she clipped it out and she put it up where she could see it every day. And she decided that she was going to write a picture book um, that was about black kids doing regular things that all kids do and not just another um, story about slavery or the civil rights movement. Um, So, and she based it partially on her own kids and um, just what she wanted to see on their bookshelves, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's a it's a really fun book that just beginning to end I enjoyed reading it. I liked the illustrations a lot and I think kids would too. Yeah. How would you describe the illustrations like a I think they are digitally made. I read some about the illustrator Lynn Gaines how she likes to do mashups so she'll do some um, hand painting and like stitching and things like that but she incorporates them in with is it procreate yeah and there's another uh, digital platform that lightroom or adobe adobe photoshop adobe that she uses so she kind of puts them all together which i like yeah Um, so and she's got like really bright colors and um there's there's not a lot of extra going on it's really focused on the child stella and her stuffy that she carries around and the sun that's awesome yes well my choice was and i chose this because i read the first book in the series it's only two in the series but um ashley spires and the book that's nominated this year is The Most Magnificent Idea. It is the sequel to the 2014 book. I didn't realize it came out that long ago. So in the first book, the main character is a little girl. She's not given a name. Uh, She's just called the girl, and she has a best friend who is a little dog. The way to my heart is through animals, so of course I was going to like this series. Um, and she loves to make things. The dog likes to unmake things and they set out to make the best thing ever, the most magnificent idea. And the dog is her assistant and he, they, she sets out to try it and there's a lot of tribulation going on with it. She has a moment that she's not so proud of where she has a meltdown and the dog insists that they take a break and go on a walk that helps her cool off and then she has an epiphany and things work out well in the newest book the 2018 book that is nominated this year is the most magnificent idea she has she's always working on something and she gets up every morning goes straight to working on stuff and one morning she has no idea of what to work on and she is flabbergasted and so she ends up uh trying to going to walk at first because that's what worked last time and then she goes and explores all these other ideas she even goes down into the basement to see if she needs new supplies to be inspired and i won't give away the ending but one thing i really like about this book is the artwork 
Um, she does use Photoshop to create it. It's the, also illustrated by the author, Ashley Spires. And it reminds me of like a PBS animated series to a certain extent. Um, and that one of the aspects is that the backgrounds are not colored if it's just like the setting. So if it's a desk or if it's the Ooh. stairwell or something like that, and it's not important, that's not the most important thing, the objects in there will be colored and uh, shaded, but the setting itself will not, except one place I did note uh, a difference was when she goes into the basement because the text is where her shadow would be, but to kind of, actually now thinking about it, she went into the basement, the base basement was dark, so the light from behind her is what lit up in the stair, uh, in the stairwell? Yes. the In the space where she opened the door, the light from the other room is coming in, and that's what also illuminates the, the text on that page. So the, even the oh. coloring is considered for how the text is laid out in the book. Nice use. So, yeah, it's really cool. And uh, also like this one little detail when authors do, when you look on the, you know, the Verso page where it has the copyright date, publication, all that kind of information that catalogers are usually the only people that notice right um she said or it says the art in this book was rendered digitally in photoshop after repeated room tidyings many hours staring out the window and one existential crisis the first book also had something similar and i feel like that's a probably a realistic description of i need to be working on this i want to go do all this other stuff first See, I love that, one, because it's funny, mm -hmm. but two, because sometimes it's really hard to find what the artist used as their medium, and I just want to know. I'm just curious. Yeah. But I like that. I like that a lot. So. I forgot to mention that Stella is the first book in, a, in the series, and now there is a second one where she and her stuffy look for a lost tooth. And the author is hoping to do more, so. Oh, nice. And is I, it the same stuffy, the hippo? I hope so. It just wouldn't be the same. No, no. That's her sidekick. It, he really is. Yeah. So. All right. Do you want to move on to the third through fifth grade category? Third through fifth grade. I um, read a couple of these. Fox and Chick is a series by Sergio Ruzier. He's Italian, and he lived in the States for a while. Now he lives back in Italy again, but he's gotten a couple of Geisel Honor Awards. Um, the first one in this series was a Geisel Honor book. The series is sort of like it's graphic novels for young kids so sort of an i can read beginner books they're a little bit more advanced than that because yeah. otherwise they wouldn't be for third graders but very early graphic novels which i love but they have the same format as an early chapter book there's three chapters in it but they're all very short yeah um so one of the reasons I liked this so much is it has the sort of oddball couple that you see a lot, like um, Frog and Toad or Elephant and Piggy or, 
you know, the actual odd couple. Yeah. Um, I don't remember their names. Oscar, Oscar. and Felix. Yes, 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 Oscar and Felix. <laughs> so Fox is kind of the homebody, and he's the voice of reason, and Chick is like the ADHD kid, like, let's go do something, let's go do this, let's go try this. And Fox is like, well, maybe. But it's all just very gentle humor. The color palette is very gentle. It's lots of, it looks like kind of watercolor, Um but then it has the panels like a comic book would. Yeah. So, um, and the chapters are, uh, in the first one, they climb a tree. In the second one, they build a bookcase. And then in the third one, they catch snowflakes. That's awesome. I love the idea. Of, and it seems to a common trope of mis- mis- mismatched personalities. Right. Because, like, even with Winnie the Pooh, you had Winnie, and then you had Tigger bouncing all over the place. You had Rabbit, who was kind of more of a grumpy rules follower, I would think. He is. And then my favorite. Yes. Eeyore. Yes. The grump. Yeah. And he's not even really a grump. He's just like, woe is me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I like the, the different characterizations where they're very much defined and i think kids relate to that yeah they understand it helps bring out the feelings and understanding how feelings work yeah so and then side note that also reminds me of one of my favorite picture book series mother bruce i do love mother bruce because he's not quite as much as you do but i'm not sure if that's possible it's so. so good that and kitten's first full moon are like top tier like they are very good. Creme de la creme. You cannot, Mother Bruce. You got Bruce, who's grumpy, and then you have these little little. Uh, I can't think of the animal's name. They're little ducks. Geese. Geese. Are they geese or are they ducks? They're geese. They're geese. Because he's going to have some eggs, and anyway. But yeah, like you have him, who's kind of grumpy, but then he's like turning over a new leaf to try to to uh, support the ever. His uh, little flock. curious, yeah, his little flock, his ever curious flock. So, um, that's awesome. Uh, well, I'm gonna go back and check out the first Fox and Chick book. I think it's called The Party and Other Stories, and I'll let you know how that is. I'm gonna get it through interlibrary loan. Nice. So, my third through fifth grade, I always get drawn to sometimes the the nonfiction options when it comes to picture books. And so I picked Listen to the Language of the Trees, a story of how forests communicate underground. I love that cover. It's it's beautiful. I think it was done in Photoshop. The, it's written by Tara Kelly and illustrated uh, by Marie Hermanson. So, so why are there rainbow roots on the front cover? The illustrations through this... Okay, let me get to that. Okay. So in this, there's a little seedling. Well, there's a pine cone that falls. And a squirrel goes up and like, oh, this is going to be my dinner during winter. So it grabs it and goes and buries it. But then it forgets because he had so many nice little snacks laid out. And the seeds come to, uh, they end up creating a little sapling. And it's going to, next to a the biggest tree in the forest. And the author calls it the mother tree. 
And it goes through and illustrates how there is a symbiotic relationship between all the different trees and plants in the forest. So the sapling is small. It can't reach up as high and get all the sunlight that it needs. So the it's called the mycorrhizal network. Um, basically, the fungi have this network of roots that intermingle with the tree roots, and they help uh, send nutrients and sugar and water and messages between all of the plants. It's that a real is thing. So cool. It, it's it's very and it's really tiny. So like whenever the small tree it can't get enough sunlight. And that's what they use to generate their food or sugar through uh, photosynthesis. The the large trees next to it will divert some of its sources or resources to the small one, so it can continue to grow. Because it's a it's a community; they all have to thrive to survive. I have a question. Yes. So I was reading an article. It's been a little while, but it was about how plants. It wasn't that they make noise, but they they communicate out loud, like the, the vibrations of what they're saying. That may be related okay. um, because they, they may be able to sense through this network. But part of the... I wonder if the network is part of that. Yeah. Like part of it was like the, the mother tree ends up and it's the one that's always sending the most resources because it's the biggest so um, it's able its roots are deeper so it can get deeper water it gets the most sunlight because it's the tallest Um, but then some beetles attack the the big tree and instead of sending out nutrients they send through this net the mycorrhizal network it sends out like a alert like a danger type thing and instead of the resources going away from it all of a sudden all of the smaller trees start to send their resources to the big one so it can survive also that is amazing it blows my mind how little we really know about yeah. plants yeah and say that's now getting back to the illustration the different colored roots are from different systems and you also ah. see it's almost like a textbook illustration like a animated like uh, not realistic picture. I was trying to think of the word. The, uh, like a diagram? Yeah, like a diagram. So all the different colors are different roots, and then you might have arrows pointing to which way the signal's going, and then sometimes you'll have different shapes indicating what's being sent with that signal. So uh, there, you have, do have to be able to read the, the pictures with this one because it, there's a lot of information in it, and there's a lot of back matter with it, like describing Ooh. what's going on. The author is from California, I believe, and so the trees in it are like Douglas firs, um, and I think she's actually a librarian or was at one point, which I always find interesting, but one of the things, um, it has suggestions for activities to do with kids, and one of them that I loved was it was pointing out the relationship, of, like the community, like I said, they all have to survive to thrive, and so it was t- talking about how like the squirrel picked up the pine cone because it needed food, so that was one way the tree was helping the squirrel. And then the the large tree was sending nutrients to the small tree, and it did the same thing when it needed it. So they're symbiotic. Um, and for kids, they could create a list on one side what you do to help others, and then the other side 
how you get help from others. So you can kind of see the relationship mm-hmm. of it's a give and take. We all need help sometimes, but we all need to offer help when we can. So I like that. I'm, I'm going to be checking that one out later today. And I, I'm, that mycorrhizal network, I think I've said it four different ways. One of them may be correct. <laughs> so would you like to move on to the next category, which is sixth through eighth grade? So sixth through eighth grade, I I had a hard time with this. I thought that maybe I should talk about another one of the books. And I read some of the other books, but this one is still my favorite. And I talked about it when we did our middle grade podcast back last April, I think it, it came out. Um, it's The Lucky Ones by Linda Williams Jackson. She's oh, yeah. She's one of my favorite authors. I um, I just really, really like her. I hope that she keeps writing. Uh, we, we need authors here in Mississippi. We don't have a lot of children's authors, and she's just amazing. She writes yeah. my, my favorite subgenre, I guess. I love historical fiction, especially in kids' books. And this is set in 1967 when Robert Kennedy was doing his uh, Southern Poverty Tour. The main character is a little boy named Ellis Earl Brown. He has a whole bunch of sisters and brothers. His father is deceased. His mom is uh, a maid, and they are very poor. Um, Like a lot of people up in the Delta were um, and still are. Yeah. Um, so, and, but Ellis Earl, he's got his head on his shoulders, and he uh, he likes going to school. He um, he likes sharing uh, what he learns with his siblings. You know, the ones that are around his age. Um, and it's just, it's a very warm book about family and um, getting along with what you have um, and and striving for more yeah so it makes sense and those are that's usually some of the themes that go with our works isn't it? yes because I've, yes. I've read their first two books right there was midnight without a moon and then a sky full of stars yes or some, something like that Yes. And those were both about the same little girl. Yeah. So, and this one's completely new. Um, and uh, he, what was really funny to me, and this one is, he is very early on in the book, he's handed a copy of Charlotte, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. And he really identifies with it because of how poor charlie is and he goes through all these extraordinary adventures and this book mirrors that in some ways but it and it has a really neat ending but it's just it's more grounded in reality i guess yeah so um but you know we tend to forget how poor charlie was because they just they kind of they gloss over it in the musical yeah so Got to get to the chocolate factory. Yeah. Got to get to the good, the, the meat of the story. The good bits. So, 
This is where I said we've read our selections. This is where I was like, and I'll get to that in a minute. I have not finished this book that I'm going to talk about. It is for the 6th and 8th grade category, Alone by Megan Freeman. It's really good, but I'm really taking my time with it because it's a novel written in verse, and sometimes those take me a little longer to read. Fair. Same. It's 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 a really good, it's a survival story, um, but kind of set in a more modern time because most of our survival story for kids are set in, like, historical fiction or... Or later so you have hatchet uh you have uh, my side of the mountain uh what was the other one uh the sign of the beaver those types of survival stories this one is about a girl who is in i think middle school and she is her parents are divorced and she got, spends every other weekend at her other parents house and um this weekend and there's a weird little setting where the there's some stuff going on with the country it's in colorado but it's where they there's a lot of military presence because they're they're on high alert for some something could happen and so they're always having to check the news to see what's going on the mom's always doing that and so is it set in america it's set in america okay but it's like near future type but it seems like it could be today and um she ends up plotting with her two friends to have a secret slumber party at her grandmother's summer house that is our summer apartment that's nearby so her two friends tell their parents that they're going to be staying at each other's house Mm. and then she classic yeah classic this is like straight out of a movie and then the or life yes oh (laughs) Someone has experience with this. What? No. <laughs> Go on with what you were saying, Charlie. And so she tells her mom, who she's supposed to be staying with, that she's going to go stay with her dad because he, she needs to help him with something. And then she tells her dad she's staying, or she need, because she needs help with a science project and he can help her. And then she tells her dad she's staying with her mom so she can babysit the twins so they can go out on, like they have some party or something they have to go to so both of the parents think that they're going to be at the other house well she goes she sneaks in to the apartment she's got her little back she rides her bike goes and gets a frozen pizza and some other stuff gets to the house then she gets messages oh my one of the friends is like throwing up sick she can't come and the other girl's mom i think she might have found out about the plan and is like nope you can't go and but so she's like, I'm just gonna have to stay here by myself. I'll eat the pizza by myself. I'll watch some old movies, black and white movies by myself. I'm just gonna have a night. Well, when she gets up the next morning, she has a ton of messages on her phone. And I said it was a, a novel in verse. In verse, yeah. Uh, the next part is actually like designed to look like a text message screen. Uh, she has voicemail and text messages from her parents saying there's an emergency we're having to vacate stay with the parent that you are with now we'll meet up later and they evacuated the whole city and so she doesn't know what to do she goes into town everything's gone she goes home the parents are like you can tell everybody left in a rush it was like overnight she has all these missed phone calls and messages from her friends saying hey we're on transport this number i hope i see you are you okay and now that she's trying to call them back she can't get through to anybody 
And so she's having to survive in this town by herself and she doesn't know what to do. So, and it's also, I like it because it's more modern because in a lot of this other stuff that we've read, like I said, like Hatchet and stuff, the kids are a little, they, they were built a little different in the sense that they didn't have cell phones. They didn't rely on the internet as much because right. it wasn't present. So they were able to kind of learn stuff a little bit differently. They read it on everything. So she's having to get used to no technology and she like goes and gets their camping book and learns how to make fire and all this kind of stuff. So she's adjusting to life without the convenience of technology while surviving. And she also takes in the neighbor's dog, who's like a boxer, I think it is, or something. And They left their dog? All the pets were left. And she has to address the issue of, at first, she's like, oh, they left their pets? They're going to be right back. There's no way they would leave their pets. But then one day turns into three, turns into six, turns into seven, turns into 21, and then she's having to go out and explore, the, uh, trying to find resources and discovering you know, they all left their dogs and their cats, all their pets. Do you Have you not found out why they evacuated? No. Because they said it was a, an emergency, and she's like, what is the emergency? We're still here, and it's been a few seasons that she's surviving here in Colorado. And she's I don't starting, think I could read that one. It's, I like survival stories, so that's the only reason. There were parts in it that I was like, if I'd have known this happened, I would not have picked this book up. I, I do have to say that some of the books this year, and, and this is always the case, but some of them were pretty heavy. Yeah. And they were good, but they were pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a really hard time choosing my YA book because... Um, they were they were pretty rough. Yeah. So what YA book did you choose? So I finally settled on I Must Betray You. It's by Ruta Sepetis. I've read several others by her that I've really enjoyed. Between Shades of Grey, Salt to the Sea. Yes. And she's written some others that I haven't read. But this one is set in Romania. Way back in 1989, <laughs> which oh, wow. is apparently historical fiction now. Um, but is it? That's historical fiction now. Yes. Who made that a rule? It's true. <laughs> if I was born, it shouldn't be historical fiction. Um. So this is took place when I was in high school. With <laughs> oh my gosh. When uh, when the Iron Curtain was coming down, and it's set in Bucharest in Romania, and the dictator there, I also looked up how to say his name, Nicolae Ceausescu. Round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Um, was a really big jerk face. Um, and uh, I believe he, that's on his Wikipedia biography under occupation. It needs to be. Jerk face. <laughs> so in the book, Christian, the, the main character, he um, gets 
pretty much blackmailed into spying on the American family who they're diplomats and there's a kid about his age um, and his mom is the maid there. So they find some dirt on him, the secret police of Romania, and um, say that they're going to give him some medication for his sick grandpa if he will just spy on this family. And I like Sepetis's books because she takes these extraordinary events and focuses on how a teen might have made a difference or how they experienced that very large event. Yeah. Um, and so this is all happening as the dictatorship is starting to fall. The surrounding countries are um, getting rid of their dictators and getting rid of communism. He finds out about it through uh, this American family, for the most part. There's a lot of, in the title it says, I Must Betray You, there's a lot of shady dealings going on. There's yeah. a lot of betrayal. Of, and just people you would not expect pop up and they've betrayed someone or so-and-so won't be friends with him anymore because they think that he might have betrayed him or told someone about the illegal soft drink that they had, the American soft drink. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's interesting, especially since we grew up in that time period, how kids now don't really have a reference for the Cold War. Yeah. I did not see a lot of things coming. Um, the grandpa's illness, it, in the beginning of the book, it says he has leukemia. He does not have leukemia. It is something that the secret police has done to them, to him. And I'm not going to spoil everything, but it, it is a ride. The whole book is a big old ride. It so, sounds it. But I would I would totally recommend it because it's it's got a lot of political intrigue. It's fairly fast paced, um, and it's just a really interesting story. Yeah. So the the other ones that I read were very interesting, but this was my favorite. Okay. Well, my favorite for the ninth through twelfth grade category is. Four for the Road by K.J. Riley, and it is about a you mentioned a lot of them are kind of heavy. This one is heavy, but it treats it really well. So it is about a boy named Asher. He's 17, and he is dealing with the death of his mother from like a year ago, 13 months ago. Um, she he had his he wanted to be a soccer player who was on a soccer team that was his life uh, his shoes were stolen so he sent his mom to the mall to ask uh, asked her to go get him a new pair it was a very specific pair uh, she's like you got to take better care of your stuff so she went and on the way back she ends up getting hit by a drunk driver and dying in the car wreck and this has just crushed him he ended up 
uh, in the hospital for two weeks in an induced coma because of like he fell and hit his head when he found out and it was just a lot going on and so um, at the beginning of the story we learned this and that he is going to start bereavement groups uh, he doesn't like the counselor at his school the guys he calls him doctor doesn't know anything or something like that and uh that guy did not seem invested at all. Anyway, so he's going to go start going to these bereavement groups. Uh, the first one that he goes to is for senior citizens. And he kind of takes a liking to an older guy named Henry. Henry's talking about how he his wife passed. They've been together 50 years. But uh, he's going to go plant some sweet peas because that was her favorite. And he wants to make sure the garden's full of them. And so out of nowhere, he's like, I just don't know how I'm going to do it by myself. And so Asher's like, I'll, I'll help you. I can come over this Saturday and help you, which Aww. is kind of weird. You just met this person in their assuming 70s, 80s maybe. A octogenarian is 80. He's 80-something because they call him an octogenarian in the book. Okay. So he just volunteers, a 17-year-old volunteers to go help him, which is kind. Uh, but he also keeps calling the bereavement counselor – Peter Pan because of she looks like Peter Pan and she's doing her best and she's like well why don't you come to the next I didn't know you were coming tonight come tomorrow that's for people your age and he's like how no one my age has lost anybody why would there be a group for that I'm just gonna be here by myself and so he goes and he realizes yes other people my age have had major losses in their life and he ends up befriending a girl named Sloan, whose father died of cancer recently, and a boy named Will, whose little brother also died of some other type of cancer. And so they have that kind of sardonic uh, teenager humor, the way they talk to each other, but they're still standing up for each other. Um, they're getting along. The drunk driver was driving an 18-wheeler, ends up getting off. He doesn't get charged with anything because the police officers did not run any tests, no field sobriety or anything. And he got let go, cut loose. And Wouldn't you at least get manslaughter? Not to argue with whoever wrote this book, I, but... I don't know. That would make the rest of the story impossible. Ah, because ah. He calls the drunk driver, he calls him Jack Daniels. That's all he knows him as. Um, well, he ends up finding out, and this is all laid out in the first few chapters, he finds out that the girl, he has a daughter about his age named Grace, so he creates an online profile that's fake named Sam Hunt and starts to catfish this girl. They're kind of dating, and he is supposed to be taking her to prom. Charlie, no. I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Daniels and Grace live in Memphis. The rest of the characters, I think, are in, like, New Jersey. And so he ends up planning to steal his dad's car, and he ends up inviting Henry, who is the older gentleman. That's the octogenarian. Yes. And the two other people his age, and they're all like, yeah, let's go. This will be great. And they all have a connection to Memphis is the reason they're going. So, and But he never tells them what his intention is, and it – could possibly be murder not of the girl of mr jack daniels i mean you don't know that well 
being it could be of the girl. You've read the book, so he he he's he is explicit at the beginning saying, "I will not hurt the girl, but okay. I won't. I, someone needs to hurt like I hurt, and this guy made me lose my mom, so he needs to get got." Whew. And it's like him processing, like, "Am I going to actually do this? How far am I going to go with this? What am I going to do when I get there? And how are these people?" going to look at me what's going to happen to them how are they going to get back are they all going to have, i'm going to have to put an 80 year old on the bus to get home and it's it's done with a lot of humor in it there's a lot of repetition in it so it kind of drags in parts but also i feel like the author did that in a way it could be because of his cyclic thinking because of his depressed and manic state at that time you end up just thinking in loops and there's you a do. lot of re- repeated phrases throughout the book so well it sounds like a really interesting story it is uh the resolution is good so i'll I'll say that i don't want to give away the ending but i'll just say that it is not what you expect whenever i was reading it i was like almost like no that can't wait what is this really (laughs) where we're going with this and it it just it ends up being very heartwarming oh good so but that is it. Well, I I really enjoyed all the reading that we did for yeah. this. There, they, the kids in Mississippi have a lot of good books to to choose from. Yes, and voting will be from February first through February 29th Ninth. this year, sleep year. And this is Mississippi kids are the ones that vote. So this is an award explicitly for them and only they can vote mississippi's only children's choice book awards yeah so all right well we'll see you next time thank you thank you goodbye bye thank you for listening to stacks and stories the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.